Hello, beautiful souls and limitless beings. Welcome to the Shamanic Soul Sisters with your host, Maria Jingris and Samantha Shea, where the discussions are multidimensional, courageously imperfect, and dynamically empowered with wisdom, compassion, humor, healing, and love. Now, here are Maria and Samantha. Hey, 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 beautiful people. Samantha here from Branches of Vibrational Healing. So excited for you tuning in to episode 12. Welcome back, everyone. Maria, also from Branches. We are pumped to have you here. This is the third segment of our sacral chakra discussions. So we might as well just dive right in. Shall we? We I'm shall. Excited. <laughs> Today we're going to bring in um, more about relationships. That's where we ended the last, well, part two with. And um, it's not just relationships to other people, but you might think. Correct. This is correct. <laughs> we dove a little bit into relationship with self last week. So we're going to talk um, even more about just relationships with other things in the external, like food medicine. Um, Those are two of the primary things that we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper into today. So I think we'll kind of just start off with, um, again, some of the programming that we undergo as children before we even start to have a conscious thinking mind. Um, We're already told what certain colors um, mean, in a sense, labeling them as like a male or female kind of color. And I feel like Sam, Sam brought this up. We were talking about this earlier and it was like, dude, that is already starting our very um, limiting beliefs and, and separation amongst males and females in society. So, yeah, because when we're born, like we don't we don't have any concept of anything. Right. But we have these gender reveal parties. And if you're a boy, it's the color is blue or green. And if you're a girl, it's pink and purple. So we're already um, automatically associated gender-wise with certain colors. And it's very unconscious that we're doing this, but it literally begins with colors mm-hmm. and every, and then it goes into everything we play with. And then it goes into sports and it goes in and then sports lead to all types of competition, to education, and then to jobs, which are all gender-oriented Jobs. Like we are literally put in these different boxes, whether we're male or female from birth. And this all affects our sacral chakra because our sacral chakra is literally relationships, control, power, money, and creativity. Just to give you a little, you know, rewind on what the sacral chakra is and how powerful the sacral chakra really is. And something we learned is that you've heard us talk about up until seven years old, you're like a recorder, you're a sponge, right? Well, our sacral chakra, the energy within it doesn't actually start developing until eight years old. So eight to 14 are the primal times that our sacral chakra is like full blown. Our sacral chakra holds our sexual organs. And so this, me and Maria went down this like rabbit hole a little bit quickly with spirit. Wow. Our sacral chakra is being quote unquote targeted since we are born. Yep. And Maria brought in this great um, topic earlier when her and I were talking with food, but also I was like, Adderall, Ritalin. When not every kid is on medication, right? But we are given so many meds as children. And if we are different or we're not focused in the education system, how they want us to be, then there's something wrong and we need to go on medication. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were two of these people. That's why I can talk about it. Cause I, her and I don't really talk about anything unless we've experienced it because that's. It's yeah. our story. Yeah. <laughs> we're sharing our truth from our stories. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was taking Adderall, but not from a young age, but I can only imagine if I was, the effects it would have had on me because I already know the effects it had on me as I was in my 20s into my early 30s. And it really messed a lot of my chemistry, my thinking, my emotions. And so when we're putting this on children, before their sacral chakra energy is even like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, 
they're being controlled in a sense by substance and Adderall and other um, meds for ADHD are, they literally bring us into this, this momentum of speed and hyper-focus, which literally causes us to bypass our emotions. When we bypass our emotions, it sits in our sacral chakra and anywhere else in our body, um, but mostly in our sacral chakra. So we're developing this relationship to a drug in order to stay focused for a system that wants us to focus on what they want. Mm-hmm. And Maria brought in about the whole brainwashing, controlling us to fit this norm, which then has played a part in all other gender oriented activities, lifestyles, everything. Yep. 100%. And when Sam and I were talking about the Adderall, she's like, it's to make you focused, right? So it's to literally focus children on the agenda of what the educational system is brainwashing us with. And it was like, oh my God, no wonder why. Because I watched it even in my generation, it was starting to become the norm. And then the generations after me that like everybody's being labeled with ADHD, ADD, autism, all these things. Right. And I even read a book a couple of years ago that Sam had let me borrow. It was about the Akash, the Akashic field, the Akashic energy and how, um, spirit sees all of these individuals that society maybe labels as not normal or behavioral or something's wrong with them as actually highly in tune to energy in the spiritual realm. And it's like, they have so much information coming into their body. They don't necessarily know how to express it and process it in the way that society tells them to. So we label them with a disease and then we put them on a med. And it's like, you start to see it happening to younger and younger generations. And then having the understanding that we have about this external matrix world, it makes sense. It's like, no wonder why they're pumping kids with these meds earlier and earlier. Right. And it's, it's just, it's wild when you really start to connect the dots like that, because it's the same thing with our food industry. Our food industry is so manipulated. It's, it's disgusting. And I had like a huge aha awakening when I found this, uh, well, my mom shared him with me, this guy, Bobby Parrish, I watch him on YouTube and he has, um, he has a YouTube channel called Flav City. And he basically has done an insane amount of research in the products in our food industry and tells you what is in all of them. And I mean, there's things out there that we think are super healthy that we're buying that say organic, like that's all a lie, but it's even deeper than that. It's like sugar I found is in almost everything. And that is one of the most addicting drugs and it keeps us again, kind of like the the Ritalin and the um, Adderall. It's stimulant. It's an, it keeps us like amped up, but we're literally bypassing the the emotions, the things that we're supposed to connect with in order to again have deep connections and relationships with other people. So it's like wow, this the the brainwashing and the manipulation and the control literally is in every aspect of what they're feeding us. And when you really also understand that that sacral chakra is about pleasure, it's our pleasure center. Many of us use food as a sense of pleasure. And when I really started to like understand energy, I remember going through this like questioning of like, what if we're energy, why do we need food for energy? Like, I remember thinking like, this doesn't make sense. Like we're energy, but yet we're eating food to get energy. And then when you start to recognize what's in the food you're eating, it's like, I don't want to eat that energy, (laughs) right? So it's, you just, it's like, again, it's like this big puzzle that everything just starts connecting. And when Sam, um, you know, found that thing about how our sacral chakra energy really doesn't start developing until those prepubescent puberty uh, ages, And we know we go to school when we're about five years old, we're already programmed before that happens. So I've started noticing that the younger generations are developing a lot faster, like breasts, testy, like everything. It's like, what are we? And I remember saying it like, you're like, what are we feeding these kids? But no, like, seriously, what are we feeding these kids? Yeah. And the sacral chakra, the main sense, like all of our chakras have senses, right? Like taste, feel, smell. Um, see, our sacral chakra is taste, mm-hmm. taste, mouth, right? Like all of the receptors in our mouth. So if you think of like oral pleasure or like oral fixations, even people that have like 
what's it called? Pika. Yep. They're they're trying to feed something that some relationship that they don't have, right? So that's what smoking too. Yeah, smoking. All of those, like, yes. Because mm-hmm. the sacral chakra is also when it's in balance, you have addic- addictive personalities with substances, um, OCD, with it, it's, it's, it's an addictive characteristic. Um, so it's just wild when we heard about this starting at eight, because we know that we're sponges till seven, right? And we've already been starting to be divided very unconsciously um, through colors and then through sports activities. Mm-hmm. That now when we're going into puberty, it's like we're, we're eating this food that doesn't have it, it messes with our hormones. There is access to TV and everything everywhere now, right? And so that's affecting our relationship, not just with ourselves, but with others. Yeah. And because now we're like, we, I feel like people don't really know how to fully communicate anymore with people mm-hmm. in a, in a way that's like, not flirting with you. I'm just having a gentle conversation with you. Right. Right. Because we don't understand the separation with, with energy that has happened at such a young age. And so like, if you're a parent listening to this, like this is not to bash you or to make you feel bad for what you're feeding your children or anything. This is just to bring awareness of like, if your kids are having you know, behavioral outbursts, it's, it's to look at the food, to look at the energy, to look at what are you feeling because you're a relationship to them too. The sacral chakra is relationships. And when it goes into sports, we touched upon it last episode because I mentioned swimming and like comparing myself, but sports, it's like, if you're a man, if you're a boy, whatever, you, you play certain things like hockey, football, um, now females play basketball too, but like baseball, it's, it's, it's been shifting, but it's very gender oriented and it's only caused this competitiveness within us. And I, I'm going to ask you something, Rhea, but do you feel like if we were born to believe that women are just as strong as men that we could be despite our hormones and chemistry? 1000%. And it's funny you asked that because this was also another sort of epiphany I had along the way. I was like, when I really started to believe that our, or understand that our thoughts and beliefs create our reality. And that's something that you hear as a female from the time you're young is that we're not as physically fit and strong as the man. So then females and males created this as a belief. So that's literally what has happened. But it's like, Yes, I believe if we came in truly equal, the way that spirit, source, God, creator, whatever you want to call it, created us to be, we would there would be no competition. There would be no um, separation, right? Like we would be able to experience what it is to be female in a female body and in a male body. But there would be no more of this weird, competitive, trying to prove ourselves and and Sam and I were talking about this, like, cause I remember as a kid, I was never really that athletic, but I wanted to try different things, kind of like what she had talked about in the last episode, but I was never like one of those natural born athletes. Right. But I, I definitely recognized this whole, if you were a female, if you wanted to play football, or if you wanted to play baseball, not softball, but baseball, like those boy labeled sports, you were either a tomboy or perhaps maybe a lesbian, right? Just And then for the opposite, for, for males that wanted to do um, maybe cheerleading, right? There's a lot of males that do cheerleading or dance or something in like the, you know, performing arts, like drama. Then, then they're a geek or they're gay. It's like, my God, no wonder why we all have self-image issues because it's been ingrained into us based on society beliefs about what we should be doing in, in what gender, and then this spills into our adulthood and the careers we choose. Mm-hmm. And even as kids, like we're asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think I've said this before. So we're already starting to be questioned by, by society about the career that's supposed to um, be our self-identity, essentially. So it's like if you're a, a boy and you say you want to be a nurse or you want to be a dancer or you want to be a teacher, right? It's kind of, it's shamed. Yep. And then vice versa for a female. So 
you know, as Sam and I said, we share the female perspective because that's the avatar we're in, but we are very, very aware of and sensitive that males go through this exact same programming and shaming a hundred percent, right? We just share it from what we've experienced, but I know as a nurse, and I'm sure Sam can relate, I've worked with many male nurses over the years and I observed how challenging it must've really been for them to be in a career, bless you, that is primarily women. And I feel like that was always something that they were almost trying to prove themselves in in that aspect, because that's going to be really hard for them. And they were some of the best nurses I've ever worked with. Would you agree? I I 100% (laughs) my fiance is a nurse and he's amazing. (laughs) Yes. And I never looked down on them as like, Oh my God, they're feminine or they're not, they're not a guy because they're not a doctor. Like, what are they doing here? It was like, yes, we need some men in this, in this industry. Like, we need to break up some of this friggin' estrogen. Please bring in the males, right? Yeah. But it's like I also recognized how hard it must have been for them too to be in that setting surrounded by primarily females. It's probably on some level feels threatening. And Sam and I have also now noticed it in like the spiritual realm because there's a lot of spiritual businesses, healing businesses, like what we've co-created where primarily once again, it's women. And even like when I was taking classes to every five women, there was probably like one guy, right? And I could feel how uncomfortable they would feel there because there was, it's almost like they felt threatened because another sort of paradigm that society has created is women's intuition, right? Women have the intuition. We all have the intuition. It's part of the feminine energy in all of us, but you do not have to be a female to be intuitive. But that's that's a limiting belief that a lot of males have. And I've observed it in my classes and also just amongst different practitioners out there. And it was kind of, it was actually really beautiful because we just hosted our first um, big event. And I was so excited because we had three male practitioners. Like, I didn't even think we were going to have that many. And that I was, it was like the same feeling I'd feel when there was male nurses. It's like, yes, we need to co-create. We need that masculine energy in there that we, that's the balance. Like we all have masculine and feminine, but we have all these weird, um, self-image issues surrounding stepping into those energies because of the avatar that we're in. Yeah. And the event was a success. It was wonderful. Yes. (laughs) And the males were just as busy as the females. So, Mm -hmm. and going into the whole, um, work, right? Like jobs, breadwinner, that term, the breadwinner, or who wears Mm -hmm. the pants, right? Mm -hmm. That is so, um, disempowering for whoever is wearing the pants and who's not because, a partnership should not be someone is above the other person. And there are so many sessions, and I believe Maria will agree with this, that people come to me looking like for relationship advice. And what it really comes down to is like the relationship with self needs to be looked at first. But if we're taught at such a young age that in order to be full, we have to have a relationship with everything else outside of us. It's really hard to like break that, that belief, that paradigm. Yeah. And when it comes to women stepping into quote unquote their power or men stepping into their power, it there's this um, hesitancy because they're like, well, will people not like it? Or what if I don't make enough money? And like, I'm supposed to be making all the money for the family. And it comes with this, like, like this moral dysregulating feeling. That's the right terminology. Um, so people are nervous to try different things and to build a new creative relationship with something else because they, they feel like they have to play this role of, well, I, I, I'm the breadwinner. So like, I can't have any fun either. Like I need to work, work, work. Otherwise the whole family is going to fall apart. Okay. Well, that's a role. Yes. And maybe 50% of that's true, but you're programmed to think that if you make the most money, if you're, if you stop making it, everything's going to fall apart. That you can't be happy and make money, right? And it goes into also like in 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 the Disney movies and all that too, and in any Hollywood movie, really, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, you just want to marry a rich guy. It's like, well, so there's already that that programming that oh, the guy has to be the rich one, or a sugar mama, like yeah. a guy dating a girl who's older that makes money. There's just this like 
it, so it goes into financial insecurities that you're, you're coming from a lack of a mindset of lack. And when it comes to work, no matter what you're doing, as long as you're enjoying it and you find pleasure in it, that should, that should be like everything, but people are still trying to find more to fill their cup because there's other relationships in their sacral chakra that are imbalanced and need love. And we're going to go into the food thing because I work with clients too around like emotionally eating. Um, it's like, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I know that when I'm going into like one of my trauma responses is to eat. And actually, if I want to label myself, one of the ADHD things is like excessively eating or excessively shopping or excessively doing something in order to bring your focus to it. Because there's so much coming in at once that it's like, what do I focus on? All right, I'm just going to distract myself fully with eating, even though my thoughts are still going. <laughs> because at a young age, you're taught like you're, you're wrong if you're imaginative, right? And I know I just went off. Where was I going with that left field thing? But you were about to say you were going to go into the food thing. You were saying, I'm going to go into the food oh, thing. Yeah. So a lot of people too, like when you're, when you're young, if you're crying, having a tantrum tantrum, AKA just expressing your emotions as a child, um, your parents like, let's go get ice cream. Like, don't cry. Eat. Like, here's a candy. It's like, here's this, right? Here's a bag of chips. And so we grow up with this like hoping mechanism mechanism. with food. Yeah. And that's, we learn this before we're eight, we're eight years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember using being babysitting. I love, cause I would raid the people's um, cabinets. <laughs> like what kind of snacks they have? Like, Ooh, <laughs> yep. I'll just give the kid a snack while I have a snack. Cause I was also born like, so I was eating. Mm-hmm. So when we're not in our creative flow or we're not allowed, we're, we're we've been taught to suppress our emotions or to not, um, value ourselves we reach for things outwardly to fill us whether that be working 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 so you do become the breadwinner or eating 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 or maybe not eating right um or having scandalous relationships you know using sex as a way to fill your pleasure there's there's nothing wrong with any of it because you're unaware that that's what you're doing it's a matter of being like, where did this originally come from? And how can I forgive myself for that program that like I right. just right. was programmed into me un- like unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't by our parents. It was by the bigger system that our parents fall under and their parents mm-hmm. in society. Mm-hmm. It's wild. As you were talking about that, I was hearing like, yeah, you're basically from a young age rewarded for not being authentic. Here's your sugar. Here's your processed food for you not to feel and not to express what's making the people in your external environment uncomfortable. So we're actually, that's the word that I kept hearing. It's like, we're rewarded for it. So no wonder why, as we become adults, we're seeking that external reward to prove to ourselves that we're successful or we are worthy. It's always that what's, what's the reward? What's the reward? And food has been heavily used as that. And when you really start to, again, like see what's put into the food and start to have an understanding of how that's affecting our actual chemistry and our physical body, it's like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. no wonder why we have like food addictions. And it's, it's wild because it does, it's another form of like brainwashing in a sense. And it's in medicine too. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's like all of these things that had the, the bigger the bigger players have an agenda behind it. And then when we put it into our bodies, it actually lowers the vibration, the frequency, the energy in our body. But then that becomes our body's norm, becomes the, the norm for our mind. So as we get older, like Sam was saying, when we work with different clients, it's it's like layers of that programming that we have to bust through because it's it's been happening, as we mentioned, from the time our parents are having gender reveal parties and pink for a girl, blue for a boy. 
And again, it's very unconscious. Like, I don't want people to listen to this and go, oh my God, I have like a gender reveal party this weekend, right? Like it's <laughs> like, none of you people are bad, but this is, this is just bringing awareness to the things that we are still sleepwalking through life and not realizing that they are truly affecting the way we see ourselves and the rest of the world. Because again, relationships. So if we're taught to seek external relationships with things that only numb us for a little bit of time. I think I talked about it in the last episode or only bring that pleasure for a very short time. We are then constantly seeking that because when that high is gone, then we're looking for another. And now what can I use? Now what vice can I use to feed that pleasure? And that's why, you know, um, when people fast, like that is, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why people fast. Right. But there's a lot of, um, spiritual reasoning behind it. And I know when I started having that awareness of like, wait, if we're energy, then we don't really need food to sustain. And we don't. I started I started really learning, realizing that in 2018 when I stopped stopped eating an excessive amount of food. I grew up in a family, God love them, but I grew up in a family that we expressed love through food. A lot of families do, right? Like there was gatherings around food, but the the center of it was always food. So yes. then you actually, in in some way, shape, or form, associate love with food, and it's like, whoa, this is another weird program. And I'm not saying that getting into gatherings with family and sharing like that is a bad thing, but when you start to recognize like that was such a that was the program of my life growing up. So I've always eaten way more than my body ever needed. And again, I started realizing this in about 2018 when I started seriously decreasing the amount of food I put into my body and realizing that, wow, I don't feel sick. Like, you know, you think you'd be lightheaded and all this stuff, especially when your body is used to taking in a lot of food and it wasn't. Now water, that's another thing. We do need water. Our bodies are mostly made up of water. So that is something we do need to sustain life. Water and air, I, I basically believe. So the whole premise behind fasting, again, people do it with different intention, but a lot of times it's done um, to actually start to release your ego in a sense and prove that it is just something we use for pleasure. And again, not saying it's wrong because I am still human. And even though I don't really eat a lot on a, on a daily basis, I... I still allow myself to splurge from time to time because I do feel like I am here to experience the the um, gifts of being human. But I also grew up experiencing food gifts for a long time. And it's like, okay, that is all like feeding my ego. That's feeding that false sense of pleasure in a way. Um, and, and it goes into too, like when you were saying this, I was like, oh, suspending the ego. So celibacy, celibacy, can't say that word. Um, I was watching something, I forget what it was, but the guy was saying how practicing that is similar to practicing fasting because it actually suspends the ego from just thinking of sex as a reward, like, or to think that um, intimacy is the same as sex, that love is the same as sex. And he was saying how actually like through meditations and like breathing into the sacral chakra um, actually gave him more feelings of pleasure and worthiness. And he became more intuitive because he was suspending that thought that he needed to be with somebody else in a sexual way in order to feel needed and loved. And he was like, I found <clears throat> which is really cool because I started crying while I was watching it. But um, he found love for himself through practicing celibacy and just like tuning in and meditating and breathing in. Cause he was like, cause he, had, he was a sex addict and he had all of these addictions and he was like, there's something here. Mm -hmm. like, and he was, he's like, I've never felt more free. Um, yeah. So it's just really beautiful once we get in tune with our body and kind of realize like what's going on that's making us feel less than or doesn't feel good. And then we connect with our body or we learn about the different chakras. And we're going to go into a little bit about sex trafficking because that plays into power, money, our bodies. It also plays into pleasure. Um, and how, well, sex trafficking is a thing. It's always been a thing, right? But we're being, knowing that our sacral chakra 
at eight years old really comes online and starts being activated. There's all of those years beforehand where we can be controlled in order to please the, the masses, the parties, whoever that may be, right? And when we're easily able to be controlled, we lose the sense of identity. And a lot of people in the porn industry have been sex trafficked. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of medicine women out there too that have been sex trafficked. And so now they're trying to like heal that and share like this woman womb healing with the world through like earth medicine because they've been so abused. Mm -hmm. And it's not just when we say sex trafficking, I feel like people automatically go to little kids, but it's all ages, right? Like, and all genders really can be trafficked. Um, but I know Maria has more on this topic than I do. Um, you covered most of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, you, you, yeah, you, you, you dove in. Um, yeah, for me, I, when we were talking again about when that sacral energy really starts to develop, it made sense to me why children are targeted for sex trafficking, because again, they're in those influential years that that energy center hasn't even began to develop. So the powers that be that control this whole disgusting sex trafficking underground system that has been here for eons and people don't like to talk about it, but it is there. Not talking about it doesn't doesn't make it go away. Like there needs to be an awareness that this is happening like on the reg and it's not to instill fear because again, it's always been there, but it's being able to understand why it's being done. And when she said that about the the sacral chakra energy center, like not even starting to develop until we're eight years old, oh, pre prepubescent, right? I'm like, no wonder why they take kids like young, because that again, that's when they're highly impressionable and influential. So if they can teach them these acts of sex, which I said in previous episodes that are are literally rooted in trauma and fear, then those children grow up to think that that's normal. And that is our porn industry, that those people that are in that are the, are the majority of them have been sex trafficked. And so there's a part of them that literally doesn't even think what they're doing is wrong or degrading to themselves. They, they, it was their norm from the time they were that little sponge, right? And then the people that are that are doing it are very smart on how they manipulate people, right? Because they use that false love and then reward system when you really think about it, like prostitute, like there's all this reward, you get reward, reward. But again, the rewards are what money, fame, fortune, food, like whatever it is that feeds the ego, but is literally disconnecting us from our soul. And so when you start to look at how our society has really, again, manipulated the energy of sex to go kind of back to your celibacy, I remember I started reading a lot about that in my spiritual awakening too, because it's another way of like actually rewiring that your, your nervous system, your brain and that center to go back to like that homeostasis that it was meant to be at, but you can't rewire it if you're still partaking in those old habits, right? So I do believe a lot of people go through like a celibate stage in spiritual awakenings because you do start to wake up to like all of this. And then you're like, oh my God, what was my intention behind sex, right? Mm -hmm. Because Sam and I talk about how everything's intention. And so it goes back to, am I just feeding this void, this lack within me and using something physical outside of me to try to fill that? And, and most of us are, right? Because it, again, it's just what we've been taught to do. It's not that we're bad people. But when you start to wake up to that within yourself, you go, oh my God, I need to like kind of like sit with myself and really start to, like she's saying, listen to my body, listen to why I'm being driven to do certain things and then start to realize like that doesn't actually feel good. Like I've actually programmed my mind to think I like that or that feels good, mm -hmm. but it doesn't when you get to the root of it. It really doesn't. Yeah. And I'm thinking too now, like about not just when we're kids and like trafficking or anything like that, but think about Hollywood and then you think about models and you, you grew up and you look, you see magazines in the stores or you're, you're watching TV. Right. And you, for instance, we'll go to the models first. They're very, now there's plus size and other sizes too, 
but it's like if you don't look that way and you're not that skinny like you're not gonna you're not beautiful right Mm -hmm. and if there's been a lot more celebrities coming out that have been sharing their stories around the abuse in hollywood that they've had to endure um and some of them just disappear when they share the share it Mm. but it's <laughs> there, if you think about like the young people, like I grew up listening to like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, um, TLC, all of them, they were literally like 14, 15, 16 years old. And they're being, they're trying to share their gifts, right? But it's also like you have to do things a certain way in order to become famous. So that's when you said the word fame. I was like, oh, that's also another controlling thing because it's like, we want to we want to share our creativity, which is in the sacral chakra, with the world, build a relationship with the world, right? But we're not going to be recognized unless this producer agrees with it. So, what do we have to do for the producer? Sell my body. Yeah, and it's just wild. And I'm I, then I was thinking about like the churches, and I wanted to mention this the last couple episodes, but for instance, with priests, there was more stuff coming out too where there was abuse in the church and a lot of people weren't hurt. Well, there's also abuse when it comes to sports and coaches. There's, I remember I had this um, karate teacher who I stopped taking karate because he rubbed my leg in a very non good way. And so I stopped taking karate, but I didn't tell anybody because no one would have believed me anyway. It's like, well, you're just fixing your leg. It's like, "Mm, no, no. Um, but it's because these people have quote unquote power or if somebody has money or a high status status there, it's like the people underneath that are trying to complain aren't going to be heard because the person has enough money to win, to like overpower the person in, in their complaint. So it's like, it gets to a point where like, well, if, if I can't share my trauma, I guess I'm just going to keep it inside and let it be my story. Um, and this goes into if you watch our YouTube, I have this video of um, the body keeps the score where I talk about this dog bite and how our body literally keeps the score. <laughs> um, but the first I got bit by a dog, um, I don't remember how many, it was like 10 years ago, nine years ago now. But when I was going through the lawsuit, the lawyer said to me, because I had stitches, but on the inside of my eye, not on the outside, all the bruising was gone. Um, he said I couldn't show up to court to try and win the case because I was too brave. And I remember getting so angry, but he was really like protecting me and he wasn't doing it in, in a, in a negative way. He was literally like, Sam, he knows how the system you. works. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm telling you right now, if you show up there, I know who the judge is too. They're going to look at you. And the judge is a girl. They're like, mm-hmm. they're going to look at you and they're going to think nothing's wrong with you because you're still nursing and you, you don't have any external things, even though you can barely see out of one. Eye. Like, so my emotional turmoil didn't matter. The, the trauma I went through for the two years prior to that didn't matter. It was how I looked in that moment to fight because I had lost a job and I lost a lot of money and we were trying to sue the family because whatever. But I was like, wow, I would have been judged Based on how I looked. Based on how I looked, once again. And I was fuming, but it was a system of power. So I was like, you know what? My ego, just be quiet, right? Like, he's looking out for me. He goes, you can come, but I don't think you'll win. Like, I'm just telling you the truth. I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to you. So he had my back. And that was really, really powerful. And I wasn't going to go there, but the, another time I was in court defending myself, this one I was actually in person. I was in front of a judge and I was trying to state how I shouldn't have been um, arrested. Like I shouldn't have been PC'd. And the judge was judging me based on what I looked like um, and was trying to catch me up on my words. And the officer who was, one of his officers arrested me. The officer that came to the court, he went to me after and was like, I am so impressed by you. I'm so proud of you. Like, that judge is a hard judge. You just stood there and like, I don't know if he was judging the crap out of you, but you just stood there and you took it. And he's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a nurse. He's like, my daughter is a nurse and she needs to talk to you. Like I, I, I would trust my care with you. And it's like, well, 
I learned where to pick my battles, but also I realized I am being judged by how I look. So I need to stand in my divine masculine and push the emotions aside and stand up for myself and prove to my relationship with myself that we are worthy of being there and having our voice shared. Um, but I could have easily crumbled at any, at any of those situations because you're going in front of the system. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and we're taught like if a person has power and money, like, I don't know how many people we used to have VIPs in the hospital. And I hate it when people told me that I'm like, I don't care if they're a VIP. I'm still going to treat them as if I'm going to, if I treat the person in that room, I don't care how much money you have. Like, if you treat me like shit, you treat me like shit and I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you. Like, I don't care. And so I would cut that up right as soon as I would go into the room. Cause they'd be like, you know who I am? I'm this surgeon. I'm that. I'm like, well, I'm your nurse. Would you like me to take care of you today? I don't care. I'm not going to treat you differently, mm-hmm. you know? And, but there's this thought and people think that like, if you're a nurse, are you not going to become a doctor? There's always this next level of power to come to because people live, we live in this society where what you are is not good enough. Mm-hmm. You always have to be more. Mm-hmm. And it's so bullshit, like bullshit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's like, there's always these, and it's, I'm not saying there's obviously anything wrong with having goals. Like, yeah. of course, we all have goals, but it's like we've become so hardwired to the, and this pulls us out of the present moment. Like what she's saying, like we are so hardwired to focus on the next goal, the next reward, the next flag, the next whatever it is. Right. But whatever, like it, it's like, can I just like be in the now and appreciate? where I've, where I've come from, how far I've come, what I've created this far. And I also believe that that sort of intensive goal oriented kind of mindset also blocks our creative flow. Like, because you're, you're like thinking about what's next in the future, but you're failing to see like, all we have is right now. And so what can I create right now? And this is something that like, uh, Sam and I kind of revisit a lot in our business. I think it's, probably a prevalent thing to bring up because here we are again, co-creating this, this business while also simultaneously breaking limiting beliefs that have been programmed into us. And so it's like, we're really trying to balance that living in the now creating in the now, but we still have this massive vision for the future. Like we know what we want to create there is a part of us that knows in the quantum field, it's already done. Aho. And so it is like, we just got to like grab it, (laughs) but we also live in this reality right now. So there's actions and steps that have to be taken to manifest that. So how do we manifest that big vision? We manifest it on a smaller scale, which is literally what I feel like we did this past weekend in our festival we created. It literally was like what I see in the future for us on a smaller scale and and spirit was like, yes, this is you creating that vision in your now. That's going to pull that big one into your reality. We'll say faster in linear time because you're living in your now. You know you don't have hundreds of acres of land yet, right? But you know you've got you've got what you've got right now, and you might as well use what you've got to continue to manifest that big vision. And I think that that goes along with like manifestation, like we've mm-hmm. talked about. It's like we get so hung up on what we don't have right now, but what we want to create, but the focus is like attached to still attached to what we don't have. So a lot of us are still creating and manifesting from lack. And so that's when we kind of get in this sort of loop of like, why am I, why is it not happening the way I want it? Why isn't it, why isn't it manifesting? But it's like, if you really take a step back and become that observer, it is manifesting. It really is in these small scales and all those small pieces add up to the big, the big thing, right? The big vision. But again, what, what happens to us when we're kids, we're rewarded. Mm -hmm. We are rewarded by something in the external from the external to just appease what's going on in the now. So then we know that this is like how, how society is. We, this is what we're taught to believe life is all about. And that's why I believe when we are young adults and adults, we're very lost. Like we're just very disconnected from our our spirit self, our soul self that is 
literally here to create. That's what we're here to do and co-create. Like Sam was saying, the sacral chakra is all about sharing energy, but because it's attacked from such a young age, we go the opposite way. We compete against each other. And it's, I mean, I see it in the spiritual businesses as well. And I have to say, I think, you know, it was really beautiful this past weekend because I've gotten a lot of feedback from attendees and also practitioners. And just in my own observation, what I felt there was no competition amongst any of us. We were literally sharing our gifts and a lot of us would do a reading or a healing and send that person to another person. Like that never happens in any of the other fairs I do. I've never seen that happen. And like multiple people said, oh, well, so-and-so sent me over to you because they they don't really do this aspect of it, but they say you're really good at it. Like that that's what we want to co-create. That's that's sharing. That's not trying to be better than the other person. That's recognizing that we all have our own unique gifts to bring and share. And the more we actually do that, that's how we co-create this big vision. If we're all in this like competitive fear-based mentality of, I want to make this amount of money after this fair. I want like, like that's still creating from a very ego-based lens. Yeah. And I will say that I was like, oh, I wanna um, I wanna do a lot of readings. I wanna, you know, make some money that day. But I found myself more so wanting to share the space with everybody. And like I walked around and I went out of my comfort zone too, even though I'm a, more of an extrovert, quote unquote, than Maria. I'm still not. Like I'm very aware of energy. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go and talk to all these people. And it was very beautiful. And this we we did intention setting beforehand. And when it, so when it comes into co-creating, you have to take courageous actions. And, but most importantly, you have to see what is your intention behind creating something? What emotional energy is it? Is it to, like we said in other podcasts, get approval? Is it to um, be seen by someone else? Is it, oh, I'm just going to do this because a lot of guys have thought maybe I'll find a relationship there, right? Like what is it? And this goes into the flow state because our sacral chakra is all about emotions, right? Being in the flow state, it's literally being able to handle the waves. Everything. Everything. And Maria literally, well, we both did, but like she literally was in the flow state. She was fully in her sacral chakra and all of her chakras on Saturday. And because she was, well, you can tell them. You were hit with different emotions and you kept on going. Yeah. And it's Sam and I have talked in like with each other about what does it mean to be in flow? Because I think there's a a misperception that um, being in flow just means you're like flying through life like a butterfly and everything is grand and hunky. It's like, no, actually being in flow means like exactly what she said, whatever wave comes your way, whatever cyclone comes your way. You can literally, it's not bypassing it. It's like, oh, I see this tidal wave that's coming and I'm going to surf it. And I'm going to surf it to the best ability that I can without mm-hmm. it pummeling me down and 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 bringing me down, right? But it's like, I'm not bypassing it. I'm like, because a lot of it, you can't change. It's external things that are happening. So it's like, okay, I'm, yep, I'm just going to go, go with the flow. And she's right. On Saturday, you know, I... um there were things that came up throughout the day. And honestly, like not, it was such a flawless like event, I have to say, but I also know it's, that's the energy we brought into it. There was not fear about what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Right? Like that is that whole limiting belief of Murphy's law. And that's literally a limiting belief, right? That something is always going to go wrong. And if you don't prepare, if you don't, like, if you don't plan for it with 12 different things, like a backup to a backup to a backup, something's going to, something's going to go wrong, right? I did not bring that energy into this event because I just kept trusting that this event was going to play out exactly how it was meant to for everybody's highest and best. Did I have some anxiety or like stress around it? Yeah, of course. But that's again, being in flow, it's recognizing as it's coming up. And I'm like, no, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. So like when a couple of things creeped up during the the event that could have old me could have, especially being a very um, type A in the sense of like wanting things to be perfect, like a perfectionist, right? Old me would have let one thing kind of pull me out of my alignment, right? But it was like, nope. 
And I really feel like spirit was like in me so much that day because as like a, as something would come up, it was like, there was no thought. It was just like, okay, then you go here. Then you do this instead. Like, it was just like, yep, this is not going to become a conflict for any of us. Like we're going to work with this. And she even said it. And my husband said it. They were like, yeah, you just like everything that happened. It was just like an immediate, okay, so we'll just shift it this way. We'll just do this instead. Like, because again, we went in with an idea, a floor plan, like uh, a, some kind of a structure to the event. But I also was fluid in if things needed to change. Like I'm not that kind of person. That's really how I was too when I planned my wedding. When I was when we were reflecting on it later, like I was just like I just want this to be a fun, loving day. Literally, like a fun, loving day. And if I'm in my shit, all worried about this has to be perfect. Well, then I'm bringing that in. It's not going to be a fun, loving day for me. And who knows how that's going to affect other people. So it's being able to still plan and have structure, but being flexible and and knowing that things are not always going to go out, go the way we plan it, the way the ego wants it to roll. But if you can be in flow, if you can have a wide open sacral and heart chakra and trust, let me tell you, that's where magic happens. And I really feel like our event was magical, not because it was ours. Like it just, it just felt magical. It really did. I, I no other word for it. <laughs> and the reason why too, it felt very flowy and magical because not all events will go that way. Right. But we, it was the intention. And also, cause we've done so much internal work around when things, when s- someone came in and they were very anxious, Maria, like, you know, put herself in her shoes and knew how to navigate the person, just like we do in our coaching sessions. It's like, we, it's, it's about holding space. That's also the sacral chakra. Like we have, there. it's the womb of creation. Creation involves holding space too. Creation involves communicating with people in ways that you wouldn't think you'd be doing. Creation is about like, all right, this could fuck me up, but I'm going to create a different reality as in I'm going to pull in from another reality that everything's okay. Because mm-hmm. we are taught that we can get stuck in the life. Like we don't even realize that we've lived, we've lived our entire life in this lack mindset. Once we get aware of that, it's like, you now have a hold on your life because you're like, seriously, that's a lack thought. I mean, it's still a thought. Okay. But if that's not me, that's not me. Right. And when you can learn that you can be in the flow state and you can, you can allow yourselves to rest. And one of the things her and I were saying too, is like, um, the when we're tired, like we were on this high of the event, and then all of a sudden we were tired. And but we're like, that's that's honoring our body, honoring the energy, honoring the relationship of what we just created with a bunch of other beautiful people, but also that we allowed ourselves to go there and that it it was possible. We made something impossible possible, mm-hmm. right? Because we never thought we'd be doing that. No. And we're going to do another one in autumn. Like, autumn rising, people. Yep. November. Yep. So we can create so much once we realize everything we have a relationship with. And if that relationship is really feeding our joy center, and if it's making us happy, or if it's a coping mechanism or a trauma response, or if it's something that doesn't make us feel good, why am I doing this? Right? Yep. And am I doing it to what kind of power am I trying to get by doing this? Right. Right. Because it's the power. It's it's not the power center. That's the solar plexus. But the sacral chakra is affected by power, political, religious, social, economical, and sexual. Yep. Yep. Power is at (laughs) peak. Exactly. Exactly. When what we want people to feel is empowered. That's why you'll hear us say it all the time. Empowerment. Not having power over... Not having power over um, someone or something or an experience or a situation. It's being empowered because when you are empowered, you no longer feel the need to control. That's the irony of it. It's like when you're empowered, there you you are not trying to be in power or to control or to manipulate or to change or shit. Like it's like you're in your power. That's what being in your power is. It's you're empowered. And so then that's when that magic really happens. You create and with kind of little effort in a sense, like 
even though it took a lot to create this event, a lot in the sense of there were things, actions that needed to be taken to, you know, manifest it in the physical, it didn't, it's kind of like how she and I talk about like this, this business doesn't feel like a job. It doesn't feel like work because it's like you are in your power. So things are kind of going flawless. Like the right people are coming into, like you're attracting the right people, meaning like the people that are aligned with the same thing. I looked around that event inside and outside and I was like, these are like all my people that I've met over the last year, two years. Like this is a dream come true. Like they're all part of my tribe, all of my tribe. <laughs> like they're all part of that community. And that kind of coincides with some of the energy that, Sam and I are feeling into for April, which we're going to make a a little video, but it's all about like community collaboration, gathering. And it's like, no wonder why that's the energy. Like, look how we started it on April 1st. Like literally it was gathering in a community that is also not very, um, we'll say, I don't want to say open, but they're just not exposed to what we brought into as much like the, the metaphysical, that, that aspect of things. It's an older, it's like an older town. It's an old West town. Right. But the people that live there are truly heart centered. Like it's a very heart centered space. And that's why I knew like physically it was a, a beautiful location to have, to have the event. But what we brought into that realm is kind of like new to a lot of those people, but yet we created a container that felt safe for people to explore this like alternative way of living a health and wellness. And it's just, it's beautiful that, that, that is just like the beginning of what we are manifesting on a, on a grand scale and using that creative energy coupled with the heart, which is all the love. And literally that's where, that's where it happens. And if we could all just like imagine as we're kids and we're, we're growing up or just now, because we can start at any time that we can literally just envision the best possible versions of ourselves or also that we can just create anything we want through our heart. Like we can, we can share, we can all be good at this sport. We can all be good at art. Even if we're, even if the person doesn't like it, it's like, Oh, I don't know what you just drew, but that looks cool. Rather than like, that looks like a piece of shit. Right. Right. If we can all just come together and start coming from the heart with things to create things, these structures that are not causing wellness in this life will go away. And my cousin, real quick, she's very, very aware of what's happening in this in the systems and stuff. And her daughter, nine years old, was is in um, Catholic school, and in the school they're trying to push politics on them oh lord and yeah and push all like the 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 shot and it's like you don't don't be telling kids what they should or shouldn't be doing and she would come home so confused and my cousin would be contacting me and she's like i don't know what to do like they're pushing this on her and all the kids there are like it's like they're all just brainwashed like going with it Mm -hmm. and some of their parents are too she's like i don't know what to do and it's like just imagine if we could all just like start over right so that's what Mary and I are Reset. trying to do yeah like come, we realize that there's a trauma out there we realize there's these programs but we're not letting them overcome us right. we're, we're talking about them to get the word out that there are choices that doesn't have to be your life and that we can break free and release these attachments and these traumas in any chakra and in our life once we go into our heart and with this business too it's like we're co-creating with loving individuals. If we feel off by them, then maybe that moment is not the time we work with them. Right. And maybe they'll come back. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it's like, we're not going to do anything that doesn't feel like love is in it. Yep. Because that's our attachment love. That's it. Because we were tired of being suppressed and being controlled by money or power or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we hope you enjoyed episode 12 the last part of the sacral chakra learning about co-creating and knowing that um you do have a choice yep and that's why we're spreading the awareness like she said the awareness is is important to become empowered like we have to have awareness of these things of these controlling systems to become empowered 
because there's a lot of people that don't want to know any of this, but you will never become empowered if you can't see where you're being unconsciously controlled. You won't step into your power if you don't know you're being controlled. So that's that's where it takes an open heart and, and bravery to be able to look at it all and go, okay, I actually don't want to be controlled by that anymore. So how can I create a new reality? How can I create one that's actually from love and not this weird, inverted, manipulated version of love, which is really just fear that's been ingrained into us. So we love yous and uh, thanks for, for being part of our tribe. And um, yeah, next episode, we will dive deep into the solar plexus. Yes, we will see you on the other side. We love you. Love ya. We appreciate you so much for listening to today's episode of Shamanic Soul Sistars. We hope you continue to tune in weekly. We trust that you receive what was most needed for your highest and best with today's episode. Remember, you are limitless. And to pause each day to take a couple of moments for you. You are worthy and wonderful just the way you are. Thank you again and see you on the other side.